weakness. Always go for the front. Buy low, sell high. Fear, that's the other guy's problem. Biz Talk Radio is proud to bring you Investor's Edge with Gary Kolbaum. Straight talk about you and your money. You can reach Gary now at 877-747-EDGE. That's 877-747-3343. Here is your host, Gary Kolbaum. And welcome once again to Investor's Edge. I'm Adam Sarhan, in for Gary Kolbaum, who's out today. Today is Monday, July 22nd, 2019, and we have a great show for you tonight. I want to thank you very much for being here. Before we jump into the show, just want to start with some housekeeping. As you know, this is a show about you and your money and all points in between. Just as a quick reminder, if you don't get the show in your city, you can go to GaryK.com 24-7 and listen live or archive. We are live Monday through Friday, 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern. Also available at GaryK.com, you can follow Gary on Twitter by just pressing the button. You can subscribe to get Gary's morning notes sent to your inbox, email Gary about his services, or sign up to the Conviction Leaders newsletter, which is absolutely fantastic in my humble opinion. And you can get a 30-day free trial there by uh, going to GaryK.com and clicking on the big banner that says Conviction Leaders, or you can go to ConvictionLeaders.com and take a free trial there. Uh, Without further ado, let's uh, go over some highlights for the show and then dive right into it because it's an action-packed week of data, both on the earnings front. We have a little economic data coming out later this week, and then, of course, the Fed meeting uh, is coming up soon, right around the corner. And we put all the pieces together. And then, of course, more China news, and I'll jump into everything. Uh, Overall, today was a relatively quiet day on Wall Street. The market was quiet for most of the day as it digested some of the latest earnings, but really was waiting for more earnings to be released this is one of the busiest weeks in earnings season. You know, every time earnings season starts, ladies and gentlemen, just to put things in perspective, it's really important to step back and say, okay, how do we analyze the numbers? Well, you want to see growth typically, but if the company has growth quarter over quarter, it doesn't necessarily mean the stock is going to go up. And if it has decelerating growth or if it doesn't have any growth at all and loses money, you can have a stock go up or down. I mean, there's no direct correlation between what happens with the earnings report on a quarter over quarter basis and what happens with the stock price or how the stock reacts to the earnings. So, There's three things that I look for whenever I look at stocks or I make my way through earnings season. The first thing and the most important thing is how does the stock react to the earnings and the broader market? So how does the stock react to the numbers and how does the market react to the numbers? Now, the second thing I look for is sequential year-over-year comparisons. Well, forget sequential, just year-over-year comparison. I'm trying to make it very simple. So right now, we just finished the second quarter of 2019. I'm going to look at those numbers for that company and compare them to the second quarter of 2018. I'm not going to compare them to the fourth quarter of 18 or the first quarter or the, any other quarter. I want to compare apples to apples. So the first quarter of 19 versus the second quarter, to me, it's not a fair comparison because, as you know, a lot of seasonality comes into these earnings. In other words, the fourth quarter shopping season is a big piece of the equation. You know That matters. And it does change numbers materially from a slower first quarter for a lot of the retailers, so on and so forth. So whenever I look at the earnings, I always want to ask myself, What's happening this past quarter? Take the same quarter and look at what happened last year for the same quarter. And then if there's growth, all things being equal, that's a good sign. But if there's you don't see growth in earnings or some other KPI is what they call them, it's a key performance metric. It, it just You're looking at or an index or indicator. There's lots of ways of wording it. But you want to look for key metrics that move the needles. Excuse me, that move the needle. So, for example, with Netflix, Netflix last week came out and reported numbers. The stock got whacked. They lost 45 50 bucks overnight. The reason wasn't so much because of earnings or because of revenue. It was because subscriber growth fell in the U.S. and overseas. They missed numbers. Earnings, if you just look at the earnings, it's not going to tell you the complete picture. And you can have earnings growth, tremendous growth, or not a lot of growth. It's a spurious correlation at best is what my research has shown me over the last 20 plus years in real time. Earnings are extremely important. Don't think I'm discounting them one second. I'm not. All I'm just saying is that for me, I always like to pay attention to what people are actually doing with their money. And if they're selling off and selling off hard, 
That tells me what they're actually doing. Not what they're saying, not what should be happening, what is actually happening, because that's what matters to all of us. That's how we make our money and or lose money. In other words, for example, with all this easy money coming from central banks and all this printing of money, what's happening? You should see inflation. We're told for the last 10 years that central banks print gobs and gobs and billions and trillions of dollars and buying assets and doing all these unorthodox and out there activities. One would be under the notion, if somebody came from Mars not knowing anything about what actually happened, that we would get inflation or create an environment where there's inflation. And that just has not happened. So be very careful separating theory from actual what works in real-time practice. You know what I call it is just from the theory, from actuality. What actually works? That's what I focus on. For the longest time when I began my journey on Wall Street, I was told and taught by some of the greatest minds out there that there's a direct correlation between earnings and the price of the stock. And I'm sure you've heard the same thing from many, many people. Peter Lynch to Buffett to O'Neill to everybody under the sun that looks at earnings. GARP is a, is a good term. Growth at a reasonable price. It's one of those, those headlines. And later we'll talk about FANG. And there's a new headline that came out today, which is BANG. And I'll get into all that later in the show. But for now, GARP is one of those words where it stands for growth at a reasonable price. Meaning the, the mindset is that somebody would pay up for earnings, but at a reasonable price. So if you only look at earnings growth as a criteria, I did that for many years and it didn't work. Because what actually happens in the real world was completely different. I did not see the correlation that everybody told me I should see. Now, remember, what he spoke about a few weeks ago on the show was the difference between independent thinking, being open-minded, like Ray Dalio talks about, and crowd thinking. If you think like everybody else and you do what everybody else does, what kind of results do you think you're going to get? Mediocre results like everybody else or spectacular banner results? And there's another – people. You know, there's an old expression that says people, a wise man learns from other people's mistakes. A wiser – Sorry, a wise man learns from their mistakes. A wiser man learns from other people's mistakes. That's an old, I think it's a Chinese expression or some, somewhere from the Far East. But my little play on that is not just learn from your mistakes, other people's mistakes, study success as well. So when I look around at the world, I say, okay, we're in earnings season. What I care about the most over the next few weeks is what actually happens to the individual stocks after they report and the market. The second thing I look for are the actual numbers. Do we see growth, acceleration, deceleration? Are we seeing contraction? You know, what's actually happening? And then if you want to take it a step further, you can compare that to estimates. So in other words, every major company, analysts follow those stocks, and they have what are called estimates. And you can get these online from just about anywhere. Company XYZ is expected to earn a dollar a share. This is hypothetical. And they came in at a dollar oh five. Well, that's it's a good thing to know. <laughs> Sometimes it, the stock could beat estimates and still fall. How could that happen? Look at the key metrics, like what happened with Netflix. I don't know exactly if Netflix beat estimates last, last quarter or not, but we've seen this many, many times before. From Apple to Disney to Home Depot to everything under the sun, small biotechs, it's really important that you to focus on the reaction. Because even though the stock can have strong numbers beat estimates, it still could fall. Why? They miss one of the metrics or they lower guidance. Or, 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 or. So I always say, forget so much, you know, don't pay so much attention to why something's happening. Focus on what is actually happening. Because that'll put you way ahead of the game. And then with respect to that estimates, you know, conversation or topic, there's something called a whisper number. So a whisper number is a fancy Wall Street term, which basically means what analysts really expect. So if they think, oh, it'll earn a dollar, well, guess what? You might stop and say, the whisper number is 120, and the stock came in at 119. So they beat estimates, but they missed the whisper number. So again, keep that in mind. Big, just to summarize, as we're making our way through earnings season, I know time is short right now, so there's three things to focus on. is how the stock actually performs, year-over-year numbers, and then how the stock, what the earnings are compared to the estimates. Up next, we've got a whole lot more. Talk about fang, bang, and individual stocks. Some more news. I'm Adam Sarhan. This is the one and only Investor's Edge. 
It's time to switch on the integrator units and get the brain cells working. You're listening to... Okay, this promises to be fun. Investor's Edge. The last bastion of quality programming. With Gary Coltbaum. It doesn't get better than this. And welcome once again to Investor's Edge. I'm Adam Sarhan, and for Gary Kay. In case you're just joining us, we spent the first part of the show going over a relatively quiet day on Wall Street today. Spoke about earnings at length and how I make my way through earnings season, in case it helps you as you make your way through earnings season. The three big things I focus on with earnings, just to recap in case you missed it. Number one, the reaction. Two, the earnings year over year. And then three, the earnings compared to what the estimates are or were for the stock and also the whisper number. So again, if you miss any part of the show, you can go to GaryK.com and rewind the show, fast forward, listen at length at your convenience. A few things. So in the past, the last few years, there was a term that people commonly used. It was called FANG, which related to some of the strongest stocks in the market. And that's Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, and Google, just as a refresher, and the F-A-A-N-G. And it was just a little way of saying, hey, this is what's really, really working over the last several years. And those stocks have had enormous, ginormous runs over the last several years. And this is not the first time where you see isolated strength. Back in the 50, uh, I think it was way back 50 years ago, 40, 50 years ago, they had the Nifty 50. And that was, it might have even been longer, where it was 50 stocks that really just dominated everything. From Xerox back then, the Texas Instruments and a few other ones. It was even maybe before Texas Instruments. IBM was one of them, and I believe there was, it was a Nifty 50. It was before my time, before I was born, so I don't have the 50 in front of me, but I'm sure quick Google search, you can get it. So... Today, an analyst comes out, he invents a new word called bang, B-A-A-N-G, and the whole, it got some media play today. And the whole idea there is that, as Gary has mentioned for you over the last several weeks, gold has caught a nice bid, a real nice bid, and has rallied sharply. And what's happened over that time, a lot of the gold stocks have broken out and have big runs. So an analyst came out today from uh, – his name is John Roke from Wolf Research, and he believes that a gold miners – the next big thing, and they're going to replace the FANG stock. So he calls them BANG, and he made an index called BANG. It stands for Barrett Gold. That's the B. Anglo Gold, that's the A. The next A is Agnico Eagle Mines. Then it's uh, Franco Nevada, which is the N, and then Goldfield is the G. So Franco Nevada is technically an F, but let's just let them have it. So <laughs> BANG is the new FANG is what it says, quote-unquote, and what was sent to me today, which is uh, I felt that some people might want to know. Gary's talked about gold stocks over the last several weeks, so he's been way ahead of this. But today it's getting some news, and I thought that you would like to see it since gold did trade above 1400 for the first time since 2013. And it's up more than 12% year-to-date. Had a big move. And it's considered a safe haven as the Federal Reserve and other central banks have been cutting rates, and there's a lot of uncertainty going forward. Meanwhile, the FANG stocks just haven't been acting well. Now, They've had a huge move over the last 10 years and even the last seven, eight years. It's normal and healthy, ladies and gentlemen, to see these stocks pause to digest those moves. Let me repeat that. It's perfectly normal and healthy to see a big winning stock or a big leading stock like an Apple, an Amazon, a Netflix, a Google, a Facebook pause after a multi-year run and digest that move. Remember, stocks don't go up forever. Stocks don't go down forever. After a big move up, to see a stock pause – you know, let's take rallies for four or five years. It pauses for, for two years or three years or 18 months or whatever to digest that move. It's normal. It sets up again, and then it breaks out and goes higher. So Apple, for example, hit an all-time high back in 18, in October of 18, so almost a year ago, at 233. The last year, it's moving sideways. It's a little bit of a handleish sideways consolidation forming now, and it's trading near 206 or just under 207. Facebook, again, just the point of that is almost a one-year consolidation. Facebook, similar situation, hit an all-time high back in July of last year, so it's been about a year, actually July 27th, so it's been about a year. Next week it'll be a year. The high then was 218, we're now at 201, and it fell all the way down to 123 on those privacy concerns. Another headline that just hit the tape uh, just recently, or about a few hours ago, was the FTC may be settling with Facebook and coming up to terms with that $5 billion lawsuit on what exactly the penalties are and what needs to get done, dot, dot, dot. But the stock moved sideways to lower for the last year, as it pauses to digest a very, very strong move. Netflix, up until this recent gap down, 
had hit a high, an all-time high, back in June of last year, so it's a little bit longer, at 423. Now the stock's at 309 after last week's big shellacking. But again, moving sideways since June of last year. It's normal. Now, I'm not saying this is a buy. None of these stocks are buy. There's no recommendations given whatsoever because everyone has to seek specific advice from who they're professional or whatever situation works for you. This is just general, general knowledge as far as how stocks normally perform and how you see these big, big stocks. When they get too crowded, it's human nature. Remember, you walk into a theater, yell fire, what happens? People run. The same thing in markets all the time. Stock goes up. Are you happy you said? Happy. It goes down. Are you happy or sad? You own it. You're long. You're not happy. It's just human nature. So after a big run, that's how bases work, by the way, and why they're repetitive. They repeat over and over and over again. Not in perfect exact order, but it, you know, it rhymes. You know, they say about history of rhyming. So that's Netflix moving sideways. The fact that it gapped down last week, not a good sign. So take it off the immediate watch list, but it's definitely something to note that had a big run, moved sideways, and now it's in some trouble. Amazon, AMZN is a symbol there. It's great action. You had a big rally last year in September, topped out near 2050, I believe the high was, somewhere in that area. Then it fell all the way down to 20, oh, sorry, 1307 back in December, right before Christmas, bottomed, and now you're back up to 1982. Just below all-time highs, building a nice little handle. Just food for thought. Amazon has to report earnings. They haven't reported yet. Flirting with record, just below record highs. That's the FANG stock. So what they're saying is the FANG stocks are out of favor, and then, of course, Google are now called Alphabet, G-O-O-G, or G-O-O-G-L. Similar situation. You had a very, very strong move. Hit an all-time high back in September of 18 at 12.73, and now you're trading at 11.35 for GOOG. Had a big gap down back in what was that? April of this year after earnings, I believe it was, has you know really hasn't recovered since. But it's just moving sideways for the last year. So as you make your way through earnings season, ladies and gentlemen, it's really important, and I emphasize that a lot. Really important, just to take some time and put things in perspective. Whether the bank stocks are going to be the new bank stocks, sorry, the bank stocks or the new fang stocks, what have you, they come up with some other <laughs> name for these stocks, it's normal and healthy to see consolidation in those fang stocks. They're not left for dead. They're just taking a much-needed break. Up next, we'll talk a whole lot more, some individual stocks, some sectors, some more themes, and some more news. We'll talk about China's NASDAQ, or their equivalent of what they're trying to do. I'm Adam Sarhan, and this is the one and only Investor's Edge. You're listening to America is talking. Investor's Edge. You gotta be pleased with that. The crowd is just on his feet here. He's a Cinderella boy. With Gary Coltbaum. I'm highly recommended. You're gonna feel better if you talk to him. And welcome once again to Investor's Edge. I'm Adam Sarhan, in for Gary K. In case you're just joining us from any part of the show, the archives are available at GaryK.com, usually after 8 p.m. Eastern or the next business day. Or even the next day, if it's a Friday, it'll be available on Saturday. So uh, we've spoken about earnings. We spoke about bang stocks, which may be the new fang stocks, which Gary has been ahead of for you and has brought to your attention already. Now I want to talk about a little bit on the news. We have uh, China came out today with and launched their version of a NASDAQ-style exchange, which is going to be predominantly a tech-based exchange in Shanghai. And the goal there is to help move their markets, their capital markets, more to the future. We'll see what happens. It's, I mean, based on historical precedent, it's obviously a good move if they can execute effectively. I think they have 25 stocks that are listed on that exchange, but I'm not sure if well, – we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, it, it's, it, there's a lot of moving parts over there. It's not just a execution thing. But there's also a political layer. There's also a lot of the trade war. There's a lot of internal turmoil with Hong Kong. They've got a lot of, of issues. Stepping back, isolating all of that noise, just looking at where what they're doing, it should be a good move in their favor assuming they can execute properly. The world's moving more electronic. Exchanges in general have evolved, and they're forced to evolve, because if they don't evolve, you know what happens to any business that doesn't adapt with the times, it's left to die. 
that may be an exaggeration, but we've seen a lot of big companies go by the wayside because they don't evolve. Now, it doesn't mean you have to stop doing what you're doing. It just means that the best companies tend to be the ones that are able to evolve with the times. Now, a few other thoughts here as far as what may happen and what may not. With the exchange, there's a regulatory component in China, and I know this from experience with other businesses, that you know, taking foreign – it's called FDI, foreign direct investments, is not as easy because of all the red tape over there than it would be in other countries. In other words, for any outsider to invest in the U.S., it's pretty easy. For outsiders to invest in other countries, there's different layers, and, and it makes it a lot more complicated, a lot more difficult. So if you want to go buy local you know, uh, shares on the Shanghai stock market as an American citizen or Canadian or European or anybody who's not a Chinese citizen, it's not the easiest thing to do. Now, to open up an account as a foreigner and trade U.S. stocks, it's extremely easy, especially compared to other countries. So it's not just China, by the way. Lots of other countries, it's not easy, quote-unquote, to do. So that's one barrier that may have, they have to overcome. But I'm sure that, that will come in time. A few other headlines that are important to note. The FTC set to unveil terms, according to the Wall Street Journal, $5 billion settlement with Facebook. And again, ladies and gentlemen, let me go on Facebook for a second because it's important to understand what happened and what they do with your data. So Facebook, and this is not me giving any kind of opinion whatsoever. I'm just stating facts here. They're in the business of selling advertising. The way they sell their advertising is they monetize their data. They have data. People upload data all day, every day to Facebook and to Instagram, which Facebook owns. And then Facebook packages it up nicely, and they sell it by allowing people to put advertising in front of their audience or to their data. Now, they don't physically sell your data in a transactional standpoint. In other words, here's Joe Schmo from Kokomo's name, email, phone number, and, and, and address. But instead, they'll say, oh, well, Joe Schmo from Kokomo lives in this postal code or the zip code, and he likes these 10 things, and he's married to Betsy, and Betsy likes those 10 things, and they have two kids and a white picket fence. So somebody's trying to sell to that demographic or what they call in advertising a psychographic. Facebook makes it very easy for advertisers to reach their intended audience. So they, monetize, they basically – they're in the business of selling their data indirectly. And then, of course, the advertisers should be happy and come back for more if Facebook can provide an ROI, meaning they can – the advertisers can actually sell things to that audience. If they can't sell things, then Facebook can't keep charging because – or they have to lower the rates because the advertisers have to see an ROI for the continuity. So Facebook's in the business of packaging and selling their data, not directly but indirectly. What happened a few years ago the whole Cambridge Analytica scandal where this one consulting firm was able to illegally access and download millions of data from Facebook users without their permission, violated privacy laws. Facebook knew about it, turned the blind eye, and then they just settled a $5 billion lawsuit with the government. Well, okay, $5 billion. It's not $5 million. That's $5 billion with a B. And the whole idea is they – illegally used or violated privacy rights of their users. That's in the big no-no because privacy is important. But in today's day and age, especially with what you put online, it's really important to understand that these big tech giants can see just about everything. And I don't mean everything in, in a negative way, but just be very, very careful what you put online because I've heard some horror stories. From identities being stolen to important trade secrets being lost or corporate espionage or stolen, I've seen and heard a lot of other horror stories. You know, if you have email with Gmail, Google can see your emails. People can hack Gmail. If you have Microsoft Outlook, Microsoft can see your emails. People can hack that as well, or just about any other email service, whether it's Yahoo or it's AOL, whatever the case may be. But these big companies now can see your data all day, every day. It's part of the agreement. So just be very careful, ladies and gentlemen, with what you upload and what you, what data, what information you want to share. And I use share with hand, air quotes and underline it, italics and whatever other thing you want to do. Because people are willing to share sensitive information about themselves and assuming that there's, quote-unquote, no risk. No risk. I literally had somebody just yesterday on Sunday tell me there's no risk to uploading something on, on Facebook. And it was what they call a lookalike audience, which is basically taking your customer information, giving it to Facebook, and then Facebook will give you back a lookalike audience, other, quote-unquote, prospects that have similar interests and demographics as your current customers. 
to me that blew my mind. I mean, blew my mind. A, there's no risk. Is this guy insane? <laughs> but forget that. Why would you ever, ever, ever give your paying customers to a third party? Let alone a company that just got busted for selling privacy for $5 billion settlement. Anyway, I digress. So just be very, very careful, ladies and gentlemen. Whatever you decide to upload or share or or do with your phones, you know, there's even rumors now that some of these apps, they can listen to you as you're talking, even if your cell phone is not being used. If you're sitting next to your cell phone, your cell phone is on, some of these apps can basically use the microphone to spy on you. And then when you go open up the app, they can put give you ads based on your conversation. So if you're speaking about football and there's four or five people talking about football, you open up your phone, you go, the first ad you see is a football-related ad. Or you talk about the stock market. So on and so forth. So just be very, very careful. I'm not one of those paranoid guys. I don't believe in the crazy conspiracy. All I'm just, it's common sense. Common sense. A little bit of common sense in today's world goes a long, long way. And the same thing in the market. So as with these companies, we're going through earnings season. We've got some headlines. Share those headlines. There's, uh, we can leave it at that for now because we can go further, but Suffice it to say for now, the good news is that the market is acting well. Let me just shift gears a little bit and talk about the market and which these headlines and individual stocks. We've had a good run. The market pulled back. The pullback has been mild. We've got a Fed meeting coming up around the corner. Fed's largely expected to cut rates. And you've got a situation where the stock market is at all-time highs. Unemployment is near record lows. And the Fed's cutting rates. If that's not bananas, I don't know what is. What would they do back in December when the stock market was down 20%? That's when they did their shift and they changed their stance. They were supposed to raise rates this time last year, but then all of a sudden the market tanked, and then they hit the, the Fed put came into play, which means once the market's down 10 or 20%, they turn around and they go back to an easy money stance, and that's exactly what happened. And then boom, stocks took off full year. Now you're just paused. You hit all-time highs two weeks ago, and you're trading right below record highs. Until we see any heavy selling, the bulls deserve the benefit of the doubt. It's that simple. Up next, talk some sectors, some individual stocks, and a whole lot more. I'm Adam Sarhan, and this is the one and only Investor's Edge. You're listening to... What are we waiting for? What are we waiting for? One, two, ready, go. Investor's Edge with Gary Kolbaugh. Welcome once again to Investor's Edge. I'm Adam Sarhan, in for Gary Kay. In case you're just joining us, <clears throat> excuse me, in case you're just joining us, we spent the first part of the show going over the major indices, spoke about earnings season at length, jumped into some of the headlines of the day, and then touched about touched again on the markets just, just now about the fact that we've been consolidating the last two weeks. You've got a lot of earnings coming out, and you've got a big Fed meeting coming up where they're expected to cut rates. Now, this will be the first cut since the Great Recession 10 years ago. And the markets are all-time highs. Inflation is relatively low, and unemployment's record lows. So, it's just put that food in there. Put that food for thought. Chew on that. However, you want to digest that. So, really, the, the big, big takeaway there is it's the at the market is very, very, very much in control. So, I want to talk about a few sectors just so we look beneath the surface. The financials. When you have a chance, ladies and gentlemen, take a look at the XLF. So far, acting well. Has been moving sideways for the last few weeks. It's above the 50, and it's consolidating in a nice pattern. The fact that it's not selling off in and of itself is a good, healthy sign. The transports, ticker symbol IYT, the, uh, the, sorry, the financials before I move on, is XLF. The transports is the IYT. That's also acting fine. I don't have any you know, great news there, nothing thrilling, nothing disconcerting where, oh, no, it's recessionary or it's the end of the world. But 
it's consolidating nicely. One would like to see the IYT break out above 195 or 196 and then march towards the 200 to 210 area. If, that can, if, if the transports do that and the financials can go topside, that would bode very, very well for the market. Other areas that are very strong, that gold and silver that we spoke about earlier, GLD, SLV, very strong areas. Gary highlighted that for you earlier over the last several weeks. The GDX, which are gold miners, and that's where the bank name came from. Uh, GDX is a symbol there. Very extended, but very good move in the short in, in the last few weeks. Big, big move to the upside. A few other ones that I want to mention, the steel stocks, SLX, still haven't gone anywhere. Remember, one of the big things from 2016 with the election was a big infrastructure plan. Hasn't happened yet, but the steel stocks, if that does come around, it's something that I'm watching because if it does get going, boom, you could see a big move to the upside there. A few other ones, the SMH, which is the semiconductor stocks, have been acting well over the last few weeks. They bottomed near the 200-day moving average back in late May, early June, took off, and they've been soaring since. So right now, the SMH is trading back near its record high of 120 that was hit back in April of this year. And the action is strong. You know, a big sell-off, a little bit scary of action. The market was extended. The SMH was extended back in April, sold off to the 200-day, broke it for a couple days, and then rallied right back above it and hasn't looked back since. So now it's extended in the short term, had a big rally. One would like to see it pull back a little bit, digest the move, move sideways a little bit, digest the move, and then break out and go higher for it to continue running. Of course, that doesn't have to happen. It could just keep marching higher. All I'm saying is that after a big move up, I mean, over the last few weeks, it went from 97 to 118. It's an 18% move in about four weeks. It, it, it's due to pull back. It can pull back. It's very healthy if it does pull back. So that's the SMH, the semiconductors. The other one that I want to talk about are the home builders, XHB. Big run over the last six, seven months since the, the lows back in late December, and now it's pulling into the 50. If the Fed cuts rates, which is most likely going to be the case here, one would expect housing stocks to catch a nice bit. Now, one of the big catalysts for this rally, it's it went from $30 to 41 That's a big move in the last six, seven months, and these housing stocks has been easier money from global central banks and specifically from the Fed. So it's just an area that I am watching because some pockets in the country are experiencing some weakness. We're seeing some slowdown in some other overinflated or overheated areas. And if housing rolls over, that's typically not a good sign for the broader economy. But it doesn't mean it's the be-all, end-all because we've seen housing stocks just underperform several times over the last decade and the market still rally and, and, and do very, very well. So that's another area that I watch. Next one that I'd like to talk to you about would be the industrials. The XLI is the ticker symbol there, and that's acting well, moving sideways. Nice, quiet area for the last few months. A little dipsy-doodle down to the 200. They bounced right back up, and it's more or less been in this range near $77 to – well, it's right now it's near 77 but the high would be 79 actually $78.95, so right around $79, and the low would be about 71 So it's been trading in the mid to upper 70s. If it can break above $79, $80 area, that would bode very well for the market and for the broader economy as well. The staples – uh, let's go there. The XLP, big run over the last six, seven months. Big run. It went from $48 back in Christmas to $59 today. That's a big move. Now, if it holds above the 50, bulls are in control, acts very well, things are fine. It's trading near a record high. I wouldn't be surprised to see it pull back a little bit, shake some of the weaker hands out, and then find support near the 50, and then break up, you know, break out again and go topside. But the fact that consumer staples are trading near record highs is a good sign for the broader indices. And let's see here. That's all the time we're going to have for the the end of for the sectors. But just to recap, ladies and gentlemen, because I know we're out of time and I don't even know how fast the time flies on the show. It's always a pleasure. I do <laughs> want to thank you very much for being here. But just to recap, the market's in fine shape. The market's got two big catalysts in front of it, earnings and the Fed. It's normal to see it pause, digest the recent rally in June, pull back a little bit, and wait for more cards to come out of the deck, like Gary likes to say. But that's all the time we have. We want to thank you very much for being here. This is the one and only Investor's Edge. See you next time. This clean edit of Investor's Edge created by Stu Lander. Follow me at twitter.com slash S-T-O-O-L-A-N-D-E-R.